if there was a name change, that's, I think, honestly, that's the point at which I think just become a new organization, birth something new. Don't be hindered by the 75 years of what has been. Just start something new. I can see me. I'll be the eyes so that I just can be. This is another episode of a special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Mirit Bloom and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Okay, good day, everybody. This is another episode of our podcast about CWS. And I have two of you know two very good friends. I'm delighted that they're here, and they will introduce themselves as we always do. So, Roy, can you go ahead? Greetings. I'm Roy Winter. Um, I'm a lifelong member of the Church of the Brethren, and I've been working for the church for the last 20 years. Currently, as the director, executive director of service ministries. And I'm Lisa Rothenberger, and I serve with the American Baptist Churches, and I've been serving as the World Relief Officer for the last 21 years. Great. So, so you know, we are almost as many years um, within you know, the partners and CWS, uh, it's equal number of, of years. So that's a long time. And we have a lot of memories. Uh, I, I remember the first time we, well, the first time we met was in Indonesia, right? When Yes. Uh, yeah, the two yeah. of you were visiting. Yeah, right. It's, right. It's, on the one hand, it seems ages ago, and the other hand, it it's almost like yesterday. The first time we met, too, Maurice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The two of us met. We met in the. Oh, airport. really? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. We met in the airport in Singapore on the way to Jakarta. Well, Madan, right? We ended yeah. up in Madan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we met uh, in the airport. I didn't know Roy till we met in the airport in Singapore. Wow. Wow, a lot, a lot has happened since then. Uh, <laughs> let, let us let us start with uh, CWS and and the first time you um, you heard about uh, CWS, Roy, you would like to go first. I have a really fun memory of CWS. I was five or six ish, and in my church in Wichita, Kansas, Church of the Brethren, and I just remember Blanket Sunday, Church World Service Blanket Sunday, and and they were bringing the blanket down the middle aisle. And we were all handing our $5 bills kind of down the aisle to put in the blanket. And here I was a five-year-old and I'm holding several $5 bills. I'm like, wow, this is so much money and it's so cool. And the blanket flows all the way up. And then eventually, you know, it gets to the altar and it's blessed. And it just, uh-huh. you know, it was this mystique almost of, wow, this is kind of amazing. And who is this church world service? And we're talking about people over the world and it kind of captured my imagination. Hmm. And, and and so it was really church world service. It was not a crop. Uh, it was really church world service. Oh, you don't remember? Yeah, because you know, I remember, you know, I remember, I remember it was Blanket yeah. Sunday. So okay. I was at that time. That probably is is church world service then. Yeah, it was Blanket Sunday, and, and you know, my church in Wichita actually participated in 
of course, crop walks and other things as well. Mm -hmm. but, um, that's really the first memory was that and, and how, how it just captured my attention. And, mm -hmm. and for some reason that mystique kind of carried out through until I started getting to work with Fairfield Service Direct. It just kind of laid the foundation for wanting to be part of this. Mm. Wow. And, and, and actually there's really interesting to hear for, for me because I, you know, most people when I ask, they start talking about the crop hunger walk first. And as you know, you know, many people until today maybe don't even know that Churchill Service is behind the crop hunger walk. So this is this is great, a great story. Lisa, how how was it with you? Well, mine was when you say the crop hunger walk. So I grew up in the United Church of Christ. And in our community, we didn't do the crop hunger walks but we had a crop volleyball marathon. Oh. That's what we used to do. We didn't wow. do the walks and we did the volleyball marathon. So it was honestly for the youth, it was the highlight of the year because mm -hmm. it brought together a bunch of different churches. And we had, we had two junior high schools. So it was held in the other junior high school. So at that age and at that time, that was like a big deal to go to the other high school in the gym and we played, we played volleyball for hours. So we raised money by how many hours we were going to play a volleyball that day. Um, so yeah, that's the first. So crop, crop volleyball marathons were the wow. thing in, uh, in Pennsylvania. So it was truly an ecumenical event and it yeah. was competitive, but friendly. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's so great because, you know, that, that could be still an activity that is still rele relevant today. I mean, you know how that we have challenges in, in keeping all these walks going, especially for the younger generation. This could be something that we could, as an idea that we come up with today. So, so uh, that's, that's great. So ahead, of, ahead of its time. <laughs> it was ahead of its time. It was a way because you can do it in the winter. Yeah. So it's not weather dependent. You could do it at any time of year, really. And you're not worried about, is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? It's just, it's going to be inside and, and it was a lot of fun. So that we looked forward to doing that each year. You know, we were uh, just referring to, you know, how we met and how you guys also met uh, for the first time in Indonesia when you were visiting uh, the work of Church World Service after the tsunami. Um, if, we, if you look at the work of Church World Service in, in general, um, what do you like about the work of Churchill Service? Oh, there's lots to like. I mean, I, the first thing I think about is it's ecumenical and that we're working together, that we can do more together. We can do better by working together. And that sense of togetherness is really important. To me, Churchill Service is the hands and feet of Christ. It's really living out the gospel in a meaningful way and um, of all of the churches. And, and so that's that's really what we're called to do. And I think and it's so, so important. So. As we think about caring for the outcast, caring for the vulnerable, all the people of society that get pushed aside, or when there's a disaster, that they don't—they're not the ones that get any help. Um, that this is the group that comes together to reach those people and be the face of the church, the face of Christ and God, in their most desperate time. Hmm. Uh, Lisa. Well, it's similar to Roy. Um, Church World Service is a place that we come together to do ministry, and it's often ministry that we couldn't do on our own. Um, the reason for the founding 75 years ago, right, was the resettlement of refugees, and that need still exists today. But the government 
provides funding for that. So it's not something we can do on our own. We have to work together. I mean, that's, that's a deliberate way that the government has structured our ability to assist with the resettlement of refugees. Um, but more than that, I think Church World Service has become a place, a place where we do ministry together, whether that's resettlement of refugees, whether that's hurricane relief, whether it's development work here in the US and Puerto Rico or anywhere around the world. Um, we pull our resources, both human and financial, to have greater impact than we could alone. Uh, and I think that's still as relevant today as it was 75 years ago, maybe more relevant today, uh, because I think the health of the church with a capital C was different um, 75 years ago than it is now. So I guess I would say it's probably more relevant today than it even was 75 years ago. Two of you have been involved with the work of, of Cyril yes, for quite a long time, but also, yeah, I mean, of course, first as representatives of, of your uh, communion, so, you know, and, and but also as board members, right? And and uh, so tell a little bit about how, how you have been involved in the different ways with, with Church World Service. Yeah, I've had a number of roles. Um, for a while, I was a Church World Service board member. This was before the board reorganized including being the first vice chair during that transition. I have spent 17 years as part of what's currently called the Development and Humanitarian Assistance um, Advisory Group. Um, it's had a few different names through the years and, and combined, but uh, um, currently the chair of that group and enjoy kind of helping guide some of that work, and relationships around that work. And I'm also the Church, World, Church of the Brethren representative to the member meetings for Church World, the Church World Service. So have lots of places of connections that we enjoy. And, and if, you, if you think back, Roy, about the different um, roles that you've played, um, yeah, can, can you, what, what is a significant experience as, as, your, as, the, as the chair of, of the Development and Humanitarian Assistant Advisory Group? A significant experience that you have had as the chair no, I, in some ways, I've I've just I've been the chair during the pandemic, mm. <laughs> and and I I haven't been a chair very long because Lisa was the chair before me, mm -hmm. and so this is a fairly new role. But I'm just kind of navigating through the pandemic. We have new leadership, and a pandemic to kind of navigate and keep people connected. And I'm actually really pleased. Our our the other members of the advisory group have continued to stay engaged. Some have been more engaged in some ways since the pandemic and they're not traveling as much. And you always wonder when these changes happen, how are people gonna react? And, and I've been actually just really pleased to see the good connections, the good good reaction by our, all the different denoms involved with that committee. Hmm. That's great to hear. Lisa, what about you? Well, so I started as the amateur volleyball player, right? Yes. <laughs> but I hung that career up because I wasn't really good at that anyway, right? Um, so it's a good thing we didn't raise money on how good we were at volleyball because I wasn't very good. Um, but so then I, I started again. My second life was as first as a board member um, of Church World Service. And then it was chairing the advisory committee that is now the Development and Humanitarian Assistance Advisory Committee, right? That's the current title. And as a donor, 
So those are, I still participate on the advisory committee. Um, I still attend the members meetings on behalf of the American Baptist churches too. Uh, so still feel like there's a, there's a good engagement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you're both forgetting that you also were on, on several committees when, while you were on the board as well. If I'm not mistaken, you were on ANF, yes. right? I, I don't yes. remember, Roy, your, your committee anymore, but you must have been. Yeah. So. We worked hard in membership. You know, part of that yeah. transition yeah. was trying to figure out what the membership mm -hmm. meetings would look like and how to keep the communions engaged. And uh, we struggled with that. And mm -hmm. I think it's an ongoing yeah. Mentioning that almost every year a little bit so absolutely no you're right hey i would like to show you a book so so um for the listeners i'm i'm showing uh, them a book that was uh written when cws church World service celebrating is 50 years of of uh existence and the title uh or title or uh, subtitle was 50 years of help and hope so if you guys would be asked to uh, come up with a title for a book about 75 years. And actually, I don't think that book will be written because we are doing a series of podcasts now. But if that book would be written, you know, what, what are some of the keywords that that uh, you would come up with for the title? Some of the things that I, I thought of is together. I, we mentioned, both of us mentioned earlier, the concept of together, what we do together. Hope continues to be important service working with the marginalized and um, living the gospel, I think is still really relevant in the world today. Hmm. Well, I focused on the, what I'll call the re-words, the words that start with R and E, okay? Mm -hmm. um, my three would be resilience, okay. resettlements, and rebuild. Hmm. So those would be my three and she's obviously keywords. more creative than I am. So we're, we're glad we're doing this together. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's great. So, so yeah, if, if we have a title already. Now we only have to find people who would like to write a book. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it must be a piece of cake. Um, hey, um, when I'm asked to describe the journey of, of Church World Service, I often say, well, you know, um, Church World Service started as a U.S. Christian organization that tried to work ecumenically. And then over time, it became a more global interfaith organization. So if, if you hear, hear me describe that, um, you know, would you agree with me? And if so, why? And if you don't agree, can you also please explain why and how would you then uh, describe it? Yeah, I find this one a little harder because um, some of it just I haven't been part of the board now for quite a while. And a lot of these kinds of conversations are fermented there. Um, I still think about how ecumenicism is the foundation of church world service and, and that work. Um, I think about that all of our members are U.S. communions. Um, so, so in that sense, it feels like it's kind of a U.S. organization still because all the members are from the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, if we start having members outside the U.S., then it feels more global to me. Church World Service has many global partners. It seems to me part of the evolution is that CBS does less direct implementation. So there has been a movement of doing for others to working more locally and doing with local organizations and partners. When we let these partners take the lead, we reflect more of the global spirit in our ministries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Lisa, what's your take on this? Well, Thanks, so for Roy. me, this is one that I have struggled with, I think, or more accurately, I've struggled with seeing it as an evolution. Mm -hmm. I think it's because I don't clearly see the differentiation. Um, CWS to me has been a Christian organization that does ministry globally. And sometimes that involves people of other faith, whether they're the ones doing the work or a recipient of the work. So I've seen it as both. Um, so to me, it's, it's not an evolution, but rather a statement of what is. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I'll, I'll, part of my struggle, I'll say something a little more controversial, okay? Um, as I've thought about this a lot over the years, I've thought if it is different, at what point does an organization change so significantly that it's no longer the organization it once was and therefore should become a new organization? Organizations like businesses, they all have a life cycle and all are not meant to be in perpetuity. Church World Service was founded by U.S. denominations to do work on their behalf or that place to work together. At the point at which that's not a viable ministry model anymore, I would prefer that we celebrate what has been accomplished and bring closure to that entity. Um, that I believe has integrity. And I think we see organizations that decline or no longer exist as a failure, but rather I see them as an organization that has served its stated purpose and that's something to be celebrated. Uh, so even for me today, if Church World Service ceased to exist, in the 76th year, I think of all we have to celebrate. And there, that would certainly not mean that CWS was a failure, but rather an incredible success over almost a decade. As you know, or maybe you don't know, I, I think you know, is that um, CWS the last year or one and a half year or so has been looking at its brand. And especially the question has been a struggle in terms of how do we uh, continue uh, to connect with a younger audience? You know, mm -hmm. our, our audience is, is older and ultimately for the sustainability of the organization, you need to reach out to uh, this younger audience as well. And part of the branding exercise um, was also looking at should we uh, change the name of the organization? And you were part of that discussion as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I still, for this podcast, I would like kind of to, to, uh, to talk about this a little bit. You know, what would be your uh, reaction or your feeling if Church World Service would decide uh, and that we know that it has to go through a whole process. But if we would go into, yes, we need to change our name, how would you feel about it? Can we go first on yeah, that? Yeah, sure. I'll go first on that one. So I think even within our own denomination, right? Denominations, I will say, we all have this struggle of how we appeal to the younger audience. And I think most often we approach it as though that's a new struggle, but I think that struggle has been the struggle of every generation before us. Uh, things have sped up, certainly, and the ways in which information is communicated is certainly light years faster than it was. But I think 20 years ago, they were probably talking about how they reached me at my 30s. 
And we all become, as we know, we're all in our 50s now, right? We all become that older generation at some point. And that becomes the sustaining financial base of most of the church with a capital C and the entities um, that are supported by the church. So I think we, we look to change a lot to attract or we consider changing a lot to attract a younger audience. I think that's always been the case. And I don't necessarily think the name change would be something that got at that. Or if, if there was a name change, that's, I think, honestly, that's the point at which I think just become a new organization, birth something new. Don't be hindered by the 75 years of what has been, just start something new. Uh, it doesn't have to be an organization with a name change. That's where I think the ceasing to exist, or that's where I think Church World Service will have run its course. It will have served the purpose that God intended for it to serve. And instead of looking at that as a negative, I can see that as a wonderful positive and would honestly be very open to freeing up the new entity to be what it sees it needs to be for the next 75 years, not hindered by the past. Lisa and Enroy, you know, I know that that um, you also are a part of IMA Health, right? And they decided to go to the next stage. So do you see that as they've become a different organization um, or how do you see that? Because in a way they also received a new name, uh, but I think it's very much still IMA Health, but they are named differently. Although I understand they still use their name as well. So how do you see that? Right. Well, I see, I see that, how can I compare this to the church? Um, so I see IMA got to a point where it had to figure out what its future was going to be. And the size at which it existed as an organization at that time was no longer financially viable in competing for the donor money that they were competing for. So they were at a, they were at a distinct disadvantage um, in order to be able to attract funding. So they had, a, they had a choice at that point. They could merge with another organization and they could lend what they have learned over really two decades of on the ground healthcare implementation work. They could lend that to another specialized type of ministry. In this case, they did with Lutheran World Relief and agriculture. So they're bringing together agriculture and health, which we know have a direct correlation to one another. So I, I don't see that as a, as a failure of IMA. I see that as they ran the course over 20 years, but the external dynamics had changed so dramatically in that time, they could no longer exist in a financially viable way. So I celebrate this. So they're Chorus International now, right? Um, and they still maintain the name on the ground because that's how, that's how people know them um, in the countries in which they're serving. And that's probably where I think the name is most important is that it's recognized by the people that we are serving versus 
how it's recognized here in the US, but I think it's a great experiment, honestly, to Maurice. I think the merger of IMA and Lutheran World Relief is a great experiment. And somebody has to take that experiment because we all know that we're struggling at the sizes that we're at. Uh, so will it be successful 10 years from now? I have no idea, uh, but I think we had to try. Hmm. Um, I, uh, so I, I talked with their CEO probably two years ago now, and I asked him you know, about the experiment that they were gonna venture into. And he told me, and I, I can't remember the exact words, but he basically told me, that he could either lead an organization that every year they would have to lay off two or three people and they would slowly decline and therefore their impact would slowly decline too. Hmm. Or they could take the risk that merging would enable them to serve people on the ground better and therefore attract money in a way that neither of the two entities could on their own. So. He chose the path of one that the hope is, the risk is, will they be able to serve people better? Uh, mm -hmm. They knew the answer to what that would be if they stayed just as they were. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the, I think it's a risk, but I think that more of us are going to have to, to decide whether that merger option really is a way forward and that there's, there's no failure in that. Actually, it tries to carry forward a great nucleus of ministry that, that God has developed through us hmm. over these last decades. Okay. No, thanks. For, thanks for that, Lisa. And I, I, I think you're you're definitely right in terms of the you know the NGO world or the faith-based organization. There is. Uh, definitely there's a lot of literature at the moment that says that these organizations need to look at mergers acquisitions etc different models and and what i would like to add to the name change and i you know i i asked it to many people of course this is just one aspect of the exercise you know it's it's a simple oversimplification right there is much more happening it's not that uh, the organization think if we would go in that direction we will solve all the problems <laughs> there's much more uh, to it uh, but I, but I've, why I'm asking it is because um, it seems to be the, you know, the hottest uh, debated topic of of an exercise. You know, what do we need to be for the future? Um, and I'm, and again, um, I'm not saying it will happen. But I, I uh, yeah, I just wanted to put that question in front of you. Um, well, Roy, just, you know, just things I would add is just the recognition that throughout history, actually, Christian. People use their Christianity to do horrible things or not so nice things. And that, of course, continues today. And so it feels like for many young people and, and many who have left the church that there's a hypocrisy or that people talk about being Christian and then they use that to hurt people or, or to exclude people or to whatever, whatever it is. And, and I think that that's part of the inherent challenge of both being church today is that is accelerating, as you said, but also we have an organization with the name church in it. You know, how, how do you go forward? Um, and for me, the, the, the thought challenge I have is then how do you balance that with this is the identity of the organization? 
this is the founding of the organization. And, and in some ways, this is what makes Church World Service different is that it is a member organization of denominations. And if we take away that part that's different, how is it still relevant anymore and not just another NGO? So that's not an answer to your questions, but it's just part of the, the dialogue for me, the yeah. struggle, the tension between those two things. You know, how, how do we find that? The idealist part of me would love to say, we need to show the world that we can be the church. We can be Christian better. We need to show the world that, and we, we need to keep working harder at that. Um, That's a bit of an idealist side of me. (laughs) What do you like to say to the organization? Um, What do you want to wish for for Church World Service? I'll I'll start. Um, My wish is that in the coming 75 years, Church World Service pursues a mission as bold as refugee resettlement was 75 years ago. I wish that whatever the focus of the coming 75 years is, it be one that actively engages the local church in ministry and and not just in a fundraising capacity as the crop walk. Crop walks do a good job of that. But I think rather something that engages the church year round in doing ministry. I think that a return to that, that would be like returning to the roots, right? Because resettlement required day to day ministry on the part of the local church. So I think a return to something that engages the local church in that way will not only invigorate church world service, but it will invigorate the local church too. So, but I think the first question is, you know, what is the mission that is as bold as refugee resettlement was 75 years ago? Do you have an answer to that? I do, and a question coming up later. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, we, will touch, we will touch on that. We will touch on that in a little while, I think. I think. Okay. Well, it's funny because that's actually part of what I put down, you know, you think about 75 years and going forward, you know, I I do dream about it, a deeper rekindling, a deeper connection with the member organizations in our churches. I do dream about us all being able to reach more people. And as we just talked about showing that Christianity and Christian service means something, means something really good in the world and that the love of God is a powerful thing. Um, so reaching more people, but it's hard to imagine all that without addressing justice issues and the justice crisis around us, whether it's refugee or racial justice. And so I do, I imagine us dreaming about a racial justice program focused for church world service, I do, that would build some new relationships and partners and it's challenging. And that's taking some of our thunder from the future, which, which I'm talking about as well, but that's what came up even in this, this conversation here. And it's something Lisa and I talk a lot about. It is something close to our hearts when we talk about racial justice. It doesn't, it doesn't steal my thunder. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it now, Maurice, if, okay. if that's okay. Yes. Um, I really appreciate the question about the future of church world service. And, and I do think that the mission could certainly be shaped around fighting injustice and especially racial injustice 
within the United States and Puerto Rico. Um, I've, I've found that I'm quite passionate about this. Uh, it's, it's not that it surprises me. I've just found that I, thinking about it, I've found a lot of energy. Um, I think I'd be bold enough to say that I can imagine that God is calling Church World Service to do this ministry in 2021 and beyond, just as God called us to the resettlement ministry 75 years ago. And I don't, I don't see that as something that is divergent. Rather, I see it as an extension of the ministry that Church World Service has done for the past 75 years. And, and I'll explain that a little bit. I, I see refugees that have been resettled in the US are both white and people of color. So we have brought people here. We've helped them resettle into a life that we hope is better than the one that they fled. But how have we begun to address the obstacles they face in the US once they're here? And those obstacles are because of their race. And I don't ask this question to just church world service, but I, I think it's a question for the church with a capital C itself. What have we done to address the obstacles that people of color face in the United States? Um, so here's what I believe. Um, I believe the church can't stay silent on this issue. We can't continue to stand on the sidelines and wait for someone else to take the lead. I think the church with the capital C needs to lead. The church is in every community. The church has a network of leadership and laity to do the hard, and I think the really hard relational work that needs to be done. And if the member communions of CWS would come together in around ending racism, like they did around resettling refugees years ago, I just imagine what could be possible. I honestly begin to see a path forward in which equity and justice permeate the fabric of our lives. But I'm, I'm not naive in thinking that it's going to be easy or fast. On the contrary, I honestly can't conceive of how long, even if we have sustained effort, it will take to see that day. But I believe that if the church doesn't lead, we will have missed a ministry opportunity that God is revealing to us again and again and again. And he reveals it to us. We see it every night, every week, every month on the TV as another person of color is treated differently than I would be. So yeah, I see the Church World Service could lead the members in initiatives that seek to break down those barriers. Um, but I think first, you know, one of the challenges is there's going to need to be some deep, deep listening. Because I know that I don't know what the answers are. I am a part of the system. I'm a part of the systemic things that hold people back and I have to first recognize that. So the deep, deep listening that we'll have to do before we ever try to do anything will be the challenge. But I think if we really listen with open hearts, I think that God will reveal the way to us. And 
I think that we need to invest some of our endowed funds that are held within our denominations to do this ministry. We can't ask, you know, we ask that question so often, well, how are we going to pay for this? I think we have to see that our balance sheets, and that's for all the members of Church World Service, our balance sheets show millions, millions of dollars in investments. And we need to see that for this time and for this reason, we need to see in those monies that God has already released the monies to us that we need. The, the lack of funding can't, it just cannot be an excuse or reason that we not pursue it. So there. Wow. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> This, no, thank, thank you for this thought-provoking idea, and I, I, I think it's great. I have two questions around this to, to both of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the first question is, so if you would say, you know, this shift or this emphasis on, on racial injustice for church world servers, um, would that mean that uh, you're saying that church world servers uh, focus mainly on the US or will it incorporate it in all of its programming? So that's my first question. And then the second one is looking back at 75 years, do you think Churchill Service could have um, done a better job in addressing this already in the last 75 years? Because I think it's, you know, when, when you use these moments to reflect and prepare yourself for the future and the now, you need to look back as well in terms of, you know, yes, we know for sure that we did a lot of things good. Are there certain things that we should have done better? I think without a doubt, there are things that we all should have done better. Oh, Personally, communally, and corporately. I don't know how you can end up with the system that we have today and think that there is something that we should have, could have, would have been doing better at some point in time. So certainly without a doubt. But I think to whether then we mainly focus on the United States first um, or all around the world, I think we have to first focus and learn ourselves what it means before we try to address an issue somewhere else around the world. Uh, if, we could, if we could become a role model, long overdue, the time is long past when we've we've had the resources we've had we we've known that we have lived in this incredibly unjust unequal time right um, but but frankly the past administration of this country has showed me really what that looks like and shame on me for not realizing the depth of the injustice and the depth of the racism that people here in the United States um, act upon, act upon daily. Um, my mom said to me last summer when, the, when George Floyd was killed, she asked me, she said, you know, I think this is just happening more. Why is this happening more? And I said to her, I don't think it's happening more. I think we see it now we see evidence. It's no longer one person's word against another. It is video evidence that is undeniable of what happened in that situation. Um, so I think we have to do learning here first. 
And Maurice, if we can do that learning here, think of the strength of the combined church to be able to be a role model and work on issues of racism outside. But I don't think you, you go around doing it outside before you get your own house, house in order, I would say. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, house in order is a big word, but um, it does feel like there would be a component to racial justice in all programming that Churchill service. Just as right now, there's typically some component around hunger and nutrition in most of their programmings and things. So it would seem like that, that is part of the thought process in strategic planning and developing programs internationally. But I agree with Lisa that in terms of a major program initiative, it does seem like it has to start here in the U.S. and, and capture that. And it it hopefully is a place where the, the current communions and more communions can really come together and begin to have a new vision for, for what we can accomplish. The other thing I think about is if the church doesn't do this, who will? If we expect our politicians to do this, they, they turn over every so many years, you know. We, we may have administration for four years, eight years at a national level or a mayor or whatever, governors. But for this to be carried through for the longevity that we're talking about, it has to be somebody like the church. It has to be the church. Let's just put it that way. It has to be the church. And, and maybe interfaith coalitions too that work together to bring this and keep pushing it through decades and through those changes in government. Lisa and Roy, if you have to name a colleague, a supporter, a partner of CWS who best embodies of what CWS is about, who will you name and why? You have to go first because that's probably okay. who I want to say first. <laughs> you pick, so. Well, because this one is this one is so so easy to me, um, easy for me. It's Donna Durr. And Donna comes immediately to my mind and in my heart when I think about a colleague who best embodies what Church World Service is about. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of working with Donna for over a decade as she led Church World Service and the Development and Humanitarian Assistance Ministry. Um, so Donna, I'll, I'll describe Donna in, in a few ways. Um, Donna was, and, and nothing could capture, right? We, we could do a whole podcast on Donna Durr. Absolutely. And it would probably be the most listened to podcast ever, I would say. Yes. Um, but this is how I'd, I'd share about Donna for those who don't know her or didn't know her. Um, Donna was smart. She was willing to share all she knew with others. And honestly, that was especially helpful to me when I was newer to this ministry. Like she was my go-to person. Um, someone asked me something that I didn't know. I'd say, I'll ask Donna. And you know, almost every time Donna knew the answer. Um, Donna was networked and she always welcomed new people into that vast network. She was trusted. She held confidences, not because that's what she felt she was supposed to do, but because that was who she was. She was humble. She was so very kind. And she was a tremendous friend to me and, and to so many others. And I'm going to share this story that Roy might not share, <laughs> but I see it as evidence of Donna's friendship, but also of her generosity. Um, so. 
let me think, it's probably five years back, Roy's son, Jesse, was studying in Australia for a semester. And Roy and his son, Brady, wanted to plan a trip to go see Jesse and experience some of Australia together. It was one of those bucket list type trips for them. But it's not always the thing that's financially possible when you have kids in college, right? So Donna, Roy, and I were out to dinner one evening, and Roy was just talking with the two of us about this trip that they'd like to take. And without skipping a beat, Donna said, have you bought your tickets yet? She said, I've got tons of miles on British Air that I'll probably never be able to use. So let me know what dates you'd like to go and I'll see if I can get you one of those tickets. And she did. So that was Donna and it makes me smile every time I think about her. And I'll say it also makes me a bit teary because she left us too soon. But she embodies church world service to me. Yeah, thank you, thank you for, for sharing that Lisa and I, yeah, um, if I would be interviewed, I would say the same thing. So I didn't know that story. So thanks for, for sharing that. But it, it definitely sounds yeah, like a tectona. doesn't get on to the whole thing. It was evidence of her. It was beautiful. Um, given that, I actually decided to talk a little bit about Johnny Ray. Hmm. And, and some of that is because he was a senior member of the now DHA committee when I started, and he was a mentor and supporter. But I just saw him always working to support CBS, and, and he used the lens of how can we do this better together. Um, his belief in ecumenical work, his years of support of emergency response program, was called then, um, and development programs. It just, it felt like CBS was an extension of him and certainly an extension of his work with Week of Compassion and the Disciples of Christ. So for him, you know, and he and Donna work so well together, they they really kind of embodied that together and how they worked and lived in the programs. Mm. We we appreciate Johnny Ray. This is intimidating to me though, because there's so many people I don't know in the Church World Service family from staff and others that I know have had huge impact in people's lives all over the world. So to pick one feels very hard or intimidating, but um Johnny came to mind and he's the one that I kind of followed around on that trip to Indonesia with you. And, and I was very brand new to my roles and he helped me feel safe hmm. and mentor me at that time. So. Thanks for sharing that uh, guys. And, and um, no, I mean, you know, um, you're right. I, I I would agree with you, Roy. I mean, it's difficult to pick one, of course, although I think for me, Donna is a really good choice. But the organization has so many different layers, right? It depends on where you started, uh, you know, who will pop up. We have such incredible people uh, in the so-called field that have been with us also for 20 more, uh, years and more. Um, yeah, but, but uh, you know, when you're based somewhere, that's how you were. Your view on organization gets skewed towards that, so that's that's normal. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you together is because the two of you, for me, are are embody very much about what Church World Service is about and its members. So, you know, the ultimate uh, collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's oh dear, great. the ultimate combination. That's us. That's us. 
Um, hey, um, can I ask you to to share um, an anecdote, experience, or a memory? Uh, what which best describes your time? And again, of course, you know you you probably have several, but share share as one of your good um, memories uh, times with CWS. Yeah, one of the things I thought about fairly quickly that kind of amazed me that we were able to accomplish was when the domestic emergency response program was working together to create the community urbanized curriculum. In the mid-2000s, that emergency response program, we all kind of recognized the need for upgrading curriculums, the different denoms. Some of us had different programs that we did and ways we did training. Um, but we were just wrestling with how to do it better, how to keep up with technology and stuff. And finally, we really, after struggling, really struggling, we, we decided we just have to do this together. We have to find a way. So CWS helped facilitate this process. All the denominations and CWS added funds to it. And then we all brought our expertise. You know, Each of us kind of had different niches we do in, in emergency response. Some are really good at case management or volunteer management, providing housing for, for volunteers. Church of the Brethren, you know, we, we have children's programming, children in trauma, and we help do construction management are kind of our specialties. So we all brought that and we came together. Um, we hired a company and we facilitated um, this, this curriculum. And it just it was just such a great example of something we could really do together, all of us. And um, and do so, so much better than we could do on our own. Um, that curriculum evolved over time, and then eventually, as CWS programs evolved, it, it became a tools and training, and, and laid the foundation for other things that came. But um, even though it didn't last, you know, the, the community rise curriculum probably was only out there for about a decade. But it it, um, it was a significant way in which we came together, and that I I just still think is amazing. Thanks, thanks, Roy, and, and, and for lifting it up. I, I think if you, what I realize when you're talking with the different people is that we have, Church World Service has, has um, uh, been responsible for actually a lot of things that, I mean, but our marketing <laughs> was not necessarily, you know, our strength. You know, we were also one of the main organizations behind the sphere standards, um, you know, and, and I don't think you, you will see that when you look at the book today. You know, so uh, and again, we you know it, it. You don't have to be you know, patted on your back all the time, but it, I think we, <laughs> we can take a little bit more credit than than uh, we are getting at at the moment as an organization. And again, I, I realized looking back at, at seventy five years. So, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that, um, reminding us, Lisa. I don't. I don't have one experience, um, but I kind of, I wanted yeah. to figure out a way to wrap up. Like, what would mm -hmm. I say about my experiences so okay. thorough, yeah. um, over these past 17 years now? Um, one of the things that has been part of my experience is the depth of relationships I've established with Church World Service staff and the staff of other member denominations. And I don't think that that would have happened without Church World Service. 
we come around the church world service table to find ways in which we can be stronger together, but that doesn't end with our ministry. Um, it extends into our relationships that move well beyond colleagues to long-term friendships. Um, you know, when Roy and I got married, who married us in 2013? Amy Gopp. Where did I meet Amy Gopp? I met Amy Gopp at church world service. Um, so I don't think that we see this clearly. Mm. But I believe that the relationships that are created around the church world service table have woven a beautiful tapestry of ministry that only God can see. I can see what I do as, as what American Baptists do, right? I can see what we do on our own, and I can even see what we do with church world service. But none of us can see the totality of that ministry that we have done because we have known one another. It reminded me, um, Tom Hazelworth was one of our Uncor colleagues a few years back. And when he was leaving Uncor, in his thank you to the Development and Humanitarian Assistance Advisory Group table, he shared about being a thread in his life's tapestry. And he was thanking us all for being a thread in his tapestry. And I think of us, I've thought about that a lot, that each one of us is woven into the tapestry of others. And I think those, the combination of all those individual tapestries is how God sees us. Um, so you asked, you asked earlier about a song that represents church mm -hmm. world service. Yeah. For me, I think relationally for good from wicked would sum it up. Mm. And it's the lyrics in there. Um, I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn. And we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them and we help them in return. Well, I don't know if I believe that's true, but I know I'm who I am today because I've known you. Because I've known you, I have been changed for good. And I think that is church world service for me personally. It sums up 17 years of experience. <laughs> Roy, you have a song? <laughs> so, this isn't my forte. I did I did think about you know one of the songs that we use in the church with the brethren and others do too, but I thought about the servant song or Will You Let Me Be Be mm -hmm. Your Servant by Richard Gilliard. And that it fits very much with who church old service is mm -hmm. out in the world. And that the idea that service goes both ways. I kind of, I have another song. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's going, well, it, it, you know what you just, you were just talking, Maurice, about the sphere yeah. standards and mm -hmm. church world services role in that, but not needing the credit, um, mm -hmm. not taking the credit for that. So I go the country music route mm -hmm. and pick a few stanzas from Tim McGraw's song, Humble and Kind. The two stanzas of humble and kind that remind me of church world service. The first one is, when the dreams you're dreaming come to you, when the work you put in is realized, let yourself feel the pride, but always stay humble and kind. And the second one, also, don't take for granted 
the love this life gives you. When you get to where you're going, don't forget to turn back around and help the next one in line. Always stay humble and kind. So that for me embodies Church World Service as an organization because it embodies the people that have been Church World Service. Yeah, so I'd like to thank you so much for, for uh, being here and your willingness to share your experiences. Any last uh, message or invitation for the listeners? Thank you um, for this opportunity, Maurice. It really, it's, you know, we're, we're in so much of the mode of doing that reflecting on not what we've done, um, but the way in which we have done it I think is something that I know personally, I don't do often enough. So being a part of the podcast today has helped me to reflect on not just what we have done through Church World Service, but the way that we have done it. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm still humble and kind, but <laughs> proud. Oh, you of, should be, yeah. Uh, of the work that, yeah. uh, that we've done together. So thanks for this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you and amen. I, I don't need to restate what she just said. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Church World Service, please check out cwsglobal.org. Thank you.